Good morning to all of you and welcome. Uh, glad that you're here with us this morning, uh, even though I know that there's weather coming and uh, there's a lot of uh, this COVID virus going around right now, but I'm glad that all of you are here with us in person or if you're online, and we're just glad that you've joined us today. I continue to be impressed by the work of uh, one of our worship ministers, Taylor Shea. That video is all him, and I, I just... I appreciate that stuff. That stuff is awesome. But I appreciate all of our worship team, you know. Uh, that was uh, kind of a special moment there. And uh, I hadn't heard that song until this week, getting ready kind of for today. And uh, that's a, just a great song. And it's just, uh, just a gratitude. You know, sometimes things don't go our way. Sometimes it's hard to see uh, what to be grateful for. Uh, but we do have a Savior that went to the cross for us. And if nothing else... Uh, that's what we can hang on to. So I hope we can find some gratitude this morning. Well, hey, the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about a reset, and I hope in that you can be honest with yourself and your need, uh, your potential need for a reset, whether it be in your relationship with God or in your relationships with others, with those around you. We have to be able to honestly evaluate our, our relationships and be willing to change if necessary. If we're not where we need to be with God or, or with others, we need to be able to swallow our pride and change our ways. You know, after uh, the sermon last week, there was a, a gentleman that's been going to our Beckley campus for just about a month, uh, and he went to Facebook and said, look, I have been struggling over the last however long uh, with those of my friends that are uh, Democrats. And I want to apologize for that. I have not been having kind of a kingdom mindset, and so I want to go and apologize for the way that I've spoken on here on Facebook and, and treated you because we are all united through Christ, and I've realized that I need to show more love. And I thought that was such a brave thing to say, a brave thing to do, and, I, and it was evidence of a person that swallowed their pride and said, you know what? The kingdom is more important than anything on this earth. And so I'm not calling anybody to go out and make a Facebook post today, but sometimes we need to be willing to swallow our pride and say, you know what, I do have some, some prejudices. I do have some discrimination in my life uh, maybe that I need to repent for and make right. And so all of this, all of this reset is actually going to help us in our topic for today. But first, before we get to any of that, we have to start at the beginning. I mean the very beginning. The, the story of humanity began in a garden where our first parents, Adam and Eve, enjoyed every blessing from God that could possibly be enjoyed in this life. They enjoyed these blessings because they lived completely under the authority of God. They were able to enjoy these blessings based on their obedience of one commandment, and that was, do not touch or eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had given Adam and Eve everything to enjoy. And He did not want them to even taste what evil was like. And so, for a period of time, they lived in perfect harmony with one another, their environment, and with God. Something that we can't even relate with these days. Until one day when the adversary of God slithered in and questioned them separately. They began to wonder if their lives could be made even better by partaking from this tree they were commanded not to touch. And after they wondered enough, they chose to disobey God, which led to the loss of His blessing, 
the removal from the garden and a constant struggle with the power of evil within them and around them. A struggle that has continued through the centuries and generations to every human being, including you and me today. A struggle that is our greatest struggle in life. Now the good news is that we see that throughout the Bible, God has never abandoned His people in this struggle. He didn't abandon Adam and Eve, and He hasn't abandoned us either. He, in fact, He has promised that He will have the last word over evil. He's promised that the power of evil will one day be broken, that He will bring His people once again under His authority to enjoy His blessings forever and ever. And under His rule, the blessings will be available for all people who are under His authority regardless of their race or their background. His rule will be so comprehensive and peaceful that men will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. In other words, the implements and weapons of war that we know will be gone and will only be known in the history books. And at, the t- and at that time and in that place, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain or sickness. God will wipe away all the tears of pain and evil and suffering throughout the centuries from the eyes of His people. And the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God and with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All of this is promised for the day when the people of God are brought back fully under the authority of God to enjoy the blessings of God which He has prepared for them. And when Jesus came into this world as the long-awaited Messiah, He said, I have come to fulfill all the law and prophets Everything that God had promised since the fall of man, since the day that Adam and Eve partook from that tree, is going to come to fruition through Jesus. And so when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, he's saying that that now that he has come, if people want to live in the kingdom, it's time to repent and come back under the authority of the king. If we are to regain what was lost in the garden, we must repent and submit to Jesus. And if that's the case, if coming to Jesus is the way to get back to where we need to be, the question is, what is the strategy to get people out from under the power of evil and back under the authority of God? How do we introduce people to Jesus? If Jesus is the way, then how do we get people to him? And this is a question we need to be asking as individual believers and as the church overall. If our focus is to bring new souls to Christ, to spread the gospel to new places, and I so hope that it is, to reach people outside of these walls, the people that don't come here every week, we need to be asking that question. We need a plan, a strategy. So today, we're going to be talking about what our kingdom strategy is. And this is a little bit of a preview for our theme for 2022, which is pray for one. Now, the first person to ask this question. It wasn't one of the disciples. It was actually John the baptizer. In Matthew 11, while John is languishing in one of Herod's prisons for preaching the truth and, well, saying some things that Herod didn't really like, he sends words to Jesus and asks, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Man, there's a lot in that question. There's a lot in that question. It feels like what John is really saying is, yo, I told people that you were it. That you were the one. I sent my disciples to become your disciples because I believed that you were the one. 
I said that you must increase and I must decrease because I believed that you're the one, that you're it. You're the one that we've been waiting on. So if you really are the one, then why in the world am I sitting in a prison cell right now? If the promised kingdom has truly come, then where is it? Because all I see is a prison cell. You ever felt like John? You ever had questions like that? Sometimes we look at our our world around us and say, God, if you really exist, if you're really who you say you are, if you're really in charge, then why are things so crazy in the world? Why is there so much evil and pain and suffering in the world? And we look at the church in America and we say, God, why is there so much confusion and complacency if you're really who you say you are? Why is there such a shift toward compromise with our culture? And then we look at our own lives. We wonder, God, if your spirit lives within me, then why do I still struggle with temptation and lust and greed and apathy? And these are tough questions to answer. And they're questions that are causing some to doubt their faith or even the existence of God in the first place. They're causing some to question the goodness and purpose of his church And I think we're letting these questions get the better of us because we somehow have missed the strategy of God in all of this. If we're expecting God to do something in one particular way and He doesn't do it in that way, well, we're going to have questions and then have discouragement as a result. And so in order to prevent this discouragement, we need to be reminded of our kingdom strategy, what the kingdom strategy is. And our hope is that through this lens, you'll understand where we are and where we're going with our Pray for One theme this this year. And so as we get rolling this morning, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 13 in your Bible if you have it with you. In this section, Jesus is telling one of his parables, the parable of the sower. And this parable can be found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the gospel accounts, and so it's notable to be sure. And so in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 3 where Jesus says, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly but because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times that was what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Now the disciples then ask him another question that maybe you wonder when you're reading through a lot of, of the gospel accounts here. Why do you speak to the people in parables, Jesus? Why not just explain it plain? Maybe you read through that and you go, man, this is confusing. Why can't he just put it more bluntly? Just tell me what you want me to know, Jesus. And as part of his reply to their question, and maybe your question, Jesus explains the meaning of this parable of the sower. Verse 18, he says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, if you've been around the church for a while, maybe you grew up in church, you've probably heard that story, that parable, uh, um, a lot of times, many times. And so what happens, though, is it's possible then that it's lost some of its impact on us. And so this morning, I want to share with you maybe an alternate version of Jesus' parable, and maybe it'll help us appreciate the story of the sower in a more pointed way. And it goes like this. A certain bomber went out to drop his bombs. As he went to drop his bombs on an evil city, he noticed that it contained many different kinds of buildings. Some of the buildings were nothing more than simple wooden structures, and when the bombs fell on them, they were shattered and completely flattened. Other buildings were made of reinforced concrete and steel, but when the bombs hit them, they, were, they too were completely destroyed. In fact, everywhere that a bomb landed, it flattened and destroyed everything that it hit. After the bomber finished dropping his bombs, he flew overhead to get some aerial pictures of the city, and he saw that no matter where the, bo- the bombs fell, the effect was the same, complete annihilation. Bomb craters covered the city from one end to the other like a sheet of bubble wrap. All activity had stopped. Enemy activity was reduced to nothing, and the bomber's mission was accomplished. Afterwards, the disciples asked for the meaning of the parable of the bomber, so he told them the bombs are the ministry of the Word of God. The city represents the evil world in which we live. The buildings represent the agents of evil being used by Satan to fight against God. Some agents are weak, others are strong and reinforced, but wherever the Word of God hits... All evil is destroyed. Now, that's just a wee bit different than, than a sower and his seeds, right? And maybe if you are a huge like Rambo action movie fan, you're like, yeah, that's the one that Jesus should have done. I bet that's in the message. But as much as we may prefer that version or, or wish that, that Jesus would have told a story like that, there's a reason, I'm sure several reasons, that he didn't. First, he's Jesus. So let's be honest. Any story that Jesus comes up with is going to be so much better than anything that I could come up with. And second, the parable of the sower sums up Jesus' strategy on this earth. God's kingdom strategy is not to drop bombs. It's to plant seeds. And oftentimes we may prefer the bombs, not just because you're an action fan, but not, and not for their destruction, but for their immediacy. I mean, we would love to to drop a gospel truth bomb right in the middle of Los Angeles or New York City and and see millions of people turn back to God just like that in an instant. Wouldn't it be nice if broken marriages or broken families and broken people could be instantly mended? Wouldn't it be great if our nation would wake up and, and begin to love and follow God and His Word just like that? Our evangelistic efforts would be so much easier that way. And man, they'd be quicker too. We wouldn't have to convince people of anything. We wouldn't have to tell people to turn away from things. We wouldn't have to get down into the nitty-gritty and out of our comfort zone. We could just drop this truth bomb wherever we wanted it, and immediately all those lost souls would be found again. Now obviously this isn't something that exists, and well, probably for the better. (laughs) 
Because as great as that might sound, what if the makers of the truth bomb believed in things that we don't? What if they were from a different religion or a different lifestyle? They believed different things. And when you and I got hit by that bomb, well, we didn't have a choice but to believe what they believed. But we yearn for those large-scale, immediate results. Man, wouldn't that be great? People would be coming to Jesus like that. It just, like, we would see millions turn to him, and I, man, I didn't even have to step out my front door. God dropped a bomb. I didn't have to do anything. Maybe you remember when a, when a Billy Graham crusade would roll into a city, and Hundreds or thousands of people would turn to Christ and, and fill up the churches. Remember, or maybe you remember when churches would hold revivals and people would respond to the gospel. And some of you might think, man, we need more crusades and revivals today. That's what's wrong with America. That's what's wrong with the world. We need more of that. But on this, I'll default to the words of our senior pastor, Dave Stafford, because he's got so much more experience than me. But he says that he has preached several revivals during his time as a minister. And the only people who come to them are the people who are already saved. And sometimes it's hard to get the saved to come out. See, we think that big-scale events like crusades or revivals are evangelistic. But the truth is that their reach isn't what we think it is. Besides, what we're reminded of today is that the kingdom of God grows best when it's done person to person. The way in which God's will is going to be accomplished is not by some truth bomb dropped by God, but by the quiet and efficient work of a gardener scattering seeds. And guess what? You might have killed every single living thing that you have planted, but in the kingdom of God, you're not a brown thumb, you're a green thumb. You are a gardener. Each of us is here to scatter the seeds of the kingdom. And after the past couple of years of division and separation and isolation, I believe it's time for the church, for this church, to get serious about reaching the lost. This is the work of the kingdom. There is spiritual warfare going on all around us, evil that is trying to keep us from reaching lost souls for Christ. So it's time that we focus on the mission that's been given to each of us. And in order to be effective witnesses and subjects in the kingdom of God, we have to grasp this kingdom strategy. In Mark 4.13, Jesus says that this parable, the parable of the sower, is the most important parable. It's the key to understanding all of his parables as well as the mystery of the kingdom. And so with all of that in mind, and I know that that was a long lead up. I mean, we're 15 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to the first point yet. But with all that in mind, this morning we want to lay the groundwork for 2022 and beyond. As we begin to think more about pray for one, I want to share three lessons from this parable of the sower. And the first is to be patient. Not all seeds will take root. See, when a bomber drops his bombs, he sees instant results. But when a farmer sows his, his field and he gets done at the end of the day and he looks back at it, well, it looks pretty much the same that it did before he sowed it. There certainly is no instant gratification in sowing seed. And it's often the same when it comes to teaching others about Jesus. Think about Sunday school teachers or, or student ministers, student volunteers. They, they can teach kids for years and never get any gratification out of it. They may never see that moment where, where the middle school boy's light finally turns on. And, and that can make you feel like, man, I'm not doing any good. These guys are crazy. They're not even listening to me. What am I even doing here? I'm not even making 
a difference. Maybe you've taught elementary kids and you're like, there is, like, there is evil in this room right now, right? Like, how, how can this be of God? I mean, it is a, a pretty thankless job to work with, with kids and, and teenagers because while adults are good at showing appreciation, man, I have enjoyed going from student minister to campus minister because you guys actually tell me that I'm doing an okay job. Students, do not. They don't say anything. You just have to hope that they keep coming and you're like, I guess maybe they, I don't smell. And then that's why they come back. You know, you know, kids, teenagers, just not as good as adults at showing their appreciation. And so it can feel like you're not making a difference at all. And trying to scatter seeds, the seeds of Jesus is often the same. And, and so we must be patient when we do it. God didn't say the results would come fast, but He did say that they would come ultimately. Watching gardens grow, it takes patience. And even after time has passed, the results may not be what we had hoped for. Sometimes you plant a garden, and even if you get a crop, it didn't turn out the way you had hoped for. And Jesus said it in His parable that some seeds will fall on the path and be eaten up by birds. Some will, will take root and be scorched by the sun before they can get deep into the soil. Some will be choked out by the thorns. But there will be some, even in the midst of that, even all those seeds that didn't make it, there will be some that take root, grow, and produce a harvest. You know, John the baptizer, he was hoping to skip over the growing season and get right to the harvest time. But Jesus said, that's not what we're doing here, John. Right now, we're planting seeds. So in the moments when we start feeling like John and getting impatient with the pace of Jesus, let us be reminded that His plan might be different than our plan. And His plan is always better. And so as we begin to pray for one, we need to remain patient. Remembering that while we may wish for truth bombs, we've been called to plant seeds. That is the kingdom strategy commissioned by Jesus. So be patient and wait for the harvest. The second lesson this morning from this parable of the sower is to be plentiful. You don't know where a seed will take root. In the parable of the sower, it seems that the farmer, well, he was very generous with his seeds. He had a lot of seeds to throw, and he threw them everywhere. He threw some on the path. He threw some on the rocks, some on the thorns, some on the good soil. If you try to plant a garden like this, I just think about if I tried to help my dad when I was younger, right, and, and plant his garden. And I just started throwing seeds all willy-nilly all over the place. He go, what are you doing? I have tilled right here. This is the good soil. Stop throwing it on the rock. Stop throwing it over your head. Just plant it here. But this, in the parable, man, that's what, the, that's what this guy's doing. This farmer's throwing them all over the place. He was scattering seeds everywhere. You might even call his seed scattering reckless. But the purpose of this parable was not to learn good agricultural habits. This is not a handbook for gardening. The purpose is to understand that the seeds of the kingdom, the gospel, should be planted everywhere and anywhere. We should be reckless with it. In fact, as we look at Jesus' explanation of the parable, we won't even know what kind of ground we're casting seeds onto until we see the result. What we do know, however, is the soil of the human heart is ready for what God is offering. I don't know what you come in here with this morning, but man, there is evil in this world. There is pain and suffering in this world. And my heart needs the gospel. And I know the gospel. How many people out there have no hope 
because they don't know Jesus. They don't have that relationship with Jesus. There is evil, pain, and suffering all around us. We are reminded of it every day. And it's not going to get better until it gets worse. The hearts of the people are ready for the seeds of Jesus. And we can't afford to not scatter these seeds. This is how God has chosen to work. You and me and all the other Christ followers around the world. And if there is a temptation inside of you to sit on the sidelines and let other, people's, other people do the work, just say, oh, no, they'll get to it. I'm an introvert. I don't want to do it. I want to remind you that the same Savior who went to the cross and defeated the grave for you also said that we are all to go out and make disciples. No exceptions. No opt-outs. We're all ones that He has chosen. We are what He has chosen to, to defeat evil in the world. One heart at a time. Let us not discriminate about where we scatter our seeds. Let us be reckless with the Gospel. The one whom God may lay on your heart to pray for may not be the one who you think it would be. Maybe you, when you hear about praying for one person to come to Christ, you think, I know exactly who I think it would be. And when you start praying for it, you go, no God, this is who I want it to be. He goes, no, this is who I want it to be. So let us be open to spread our seeds anywhere and everywhere generously. The third lesson this morning from this parable of the sower is to be persistent. God will bring the day of the harvest. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul tells the Corinthian believers, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. And so for those of you that might have been planting seeds for a while, maybe you've been praying for one for like 15 years. You've been praying for somebody for a long time. You've been trying to speak into somebody's life for a long time, and you've never seen any results. Or maybe in your, in your own life, man, you've been taking in the Word of God, and, and you've been trying really to follow Him, but you see little progress while you struggle with the same old temptations and sins. I want to give you some encouragement this morning. Don't give up. Don't stop planting those seeds. Keep on hiding God's Word in your heart. Keep on believing what God is saying to you. Keep on asking for His grace to obey His words because seeds are growing. You may not see it, but the seeds are growing. For those who are constantly spreading seeds, man, it can be frustrating to never see the harvest. But remember that you, like Paul, like Apollos, are just part of what God is using to bring people to Him. And so as we pray for one this year, you may see your one. Man, they may come to Christ this year, and that would be amazing. That's ultimately what we're looking for. We want people to come to Christ that don't know Him. But if that were to happen, how many people planted in seeds in their lives before you came along? How many people played a part in leading to that moment of harvest that will never see it? And so be encouraged. Your efforts are not in vain. And regardless of the outcome, the Heavenly Father sees your efforts and your obedience to the commission. And when we finally start, or when we officially start the Pray for One campaign in a few weeks, we want this to be something that, that lasts the whole year. It's not just about one sermon series or one season even. We want this to be at the forefront of our faith, to take a personal responsibility to be praying for somebody that you know, that you interact with every day, that doesn't know Christ, for them to come to Christ this year. And really, we want this to be something that goes beyond 2022, 
so that it becomes a habit, a lifestyle of finding people who aren't following Jesus, coming alongside of them and befriending them and showing them the love of Christ, praying for them to come to know Him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, to stand firm, let nothing move you, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, let us stand firm and commit to the work of the Lord. Sometimes planting seeds is discouraging work. Anybody that's ever tried to plant, sometimes the seeds don't take root. Sometimes you waste seeds. Sometimes it comes up and it's not what you hope for. Sometimes you get corn and the deer come and eat it, right? Like there's all kinds of things that can happen to prevent the harvest. But stand firm and devote yourself fully to the work of the Lord, the commission that Jesus has given all of us. And the honest truth is, if you want the world to change, if you want to see a difference in our communities, And in the world, instead of complaining about the president or our boss or the events of the world to anybody that will listen, let's try something new in 2022. Let's be intentional about praying for one. Let's be intentional in our friendships and with our love. And let's let God give the growth to those around us. A really cool thing that's been happening recently is it's not just us they're kind of moving toward this. You know, we've been talking about doing this this year for a few months, and I've seen several larger organizations or churches, you know, Winter Jam, there was an organization that was doing something similar to this, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, doing something very similar to this. It feels like God has a movement coming here. And when I said to, to Andrew last week, when he told me about how they were doing that, talking about that at Winter Jam, I said, wouldn't, that's great. Because wouldn't it be awesome if every Christ follower took up this mission and just prayed for one? How big of a difference could we make in our world if all of us just took took responsibility for one person in our life? That's how we change the world. Not with truth bombs, but with scattering seeds. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much that You are reckless with Your seeds. Because those are the, there, there are those of us this morning that might have looked like thorns. We might have looked like rocky ground. We look like people that shouldn't have received the seeds. But you don't discriminate. There was somebody that followed your call to speak into our lives. There was somebody that scattered the seeds in our lives that brought us to you. And so, Father, I thank you that you are reckless. I thank you that you're indiscriminate, that you call all to you, that you love the world so much, the whole world, that you sent your son Jesus to die for all of us so that we would not perish but have eternal life. Father, we know that truth. Most of us here this morning know the gospel truth. We know that you sent your son to die for us, that he defeated the grave. And because of all that, through the evil and the pain and suffering of this world, though it may get us down at times, we know we have the truth of Jesus in our hearts and that one day we're going to come back under your authority, fully under your authority where there is no more pain or suffering any longer. There are no more tears or sickness. Father, we look 
to that with anxious anticipation. But before that time, I pray that we would live with life within us. Live life to the full because we know that this is not our home. This is not our final place. That we have a hope that extends beyond this world. Father, I pray that we would, we would sow seeds of hope and love of Jesus into those that need to hear it. That we would take a responsibility in our hearts. We would ask you, God, who, do you, who are you calling me to this year? And we would take this seriously because there are so many people that do not have the luxury, that do not have this hope to see all the, the things of this world, all, all the sickness and all the pain, all the arguing. And this is all that there is. There is no hope beyond this. And so there are so many that are hopeless, that are without love. Father, I pray this year that we would make it a point, that we would make it a habit to be praying for those that you would call us to reach, for those that you would call us to sow seeds into. And though we may not see the harvest, we would know with full confidence that you are the one in charge of the growth. You have called us to sow seeds and we leave it up to you. So whether we see harvest or something, this is just something that you're working on for years. I pray that we trust you in that. Father, I pray that we would stand firm as we do your work, that we would not be discouraged, but we would know that we are following the commission laid out by your son, Jesus. Father, this morning, I know that there are many struggling. I know that there are those that would beg for you to take us home now to get us out of this world. Father, I pray that we would take an attitude of love for others, that instead of only living for the next, we would live for the now and for those that need to hear about Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace, for the spreading of your seeds. We thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen come this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that relationship already, man, he is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. He is our only hope. This world is hard. Man, it, it, it's unexplainable sometimes how hard it is other than just evil exists. But our God sent his son to die on the cross for us, to defeat the grave so that we have a different outcome. But Jesus is the only way to that outcome. He is the only hope that we have. And so if you don't have that relationship, I'd love to talk to you about that, talk to you about baptism and what that looks like this morning. You can come in here, your old self, but leave a new creation in Christ. This morning, if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know there's a lot of people that are dealing with a lot of stuff. If you need prayer this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Just bring God into whatever situation you might be going through right now. So if you have a decision to make, you just need prayer this morning, I'll be right down front. I'd love to talk to you. Let us all stand and sing our final song together.